So on this uh, cloudy, overcast, rainy day when it would be very easy to just stay at home and stay in bed, you are here. And we give thanks to God for that life-giving rain. We have been praying for it. And indeed, it is a blessing. So how did that get up there? I do not know. <laughs> Shout out to the hometown team as uh, we go into the World Series first time ever, and we'll see what happens. You didn't come here to hear about the Nats, though. Question, who is that? Does anybody know? Marie Kondo. And some of you are saying, yes, I know that other of are saying, who? <laughs> If you don't know who this is, her name is Marie Kondo. She is an expert in tidying up. And her mission in life is to help people get themselves, get their houses, get their lives organized. In her own words, quote unquote, I love messy. She can come to anybody's house and do that. Her system is called the KonMari method. And she's written four best-selling books tiny little lady, four feet, seven inches tall, and she is from Japan. Uh, her books have been translated into a whole bunch of different languages. Her Netflix series, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, debuted here in this country earlier this year. So she's now this household name, and she's off the charts popular. And the gist of her method is to go through all your possessions, one category at a time, and sift through them, determining what to keep and what to let go of, depending on if that thing sparks joy. That's her term. Does it spark joy for you? So if the shirt or the book or the whatever doesn't spark joy for you, time to let it go so you can then move forward in life. If you haven't seen Marie Kondo on Netflix, check it out. You might get inspired to do a little tidying up at your own house. So the question I'm wondering then is, so why is Marie Kondo and tidying up such a big deal? Why is this so popular now? And I'll tell you what I think. The short answer is that most of us have way too much stuff in our lives. That's the short answer. This person and her message have hit a nerve in our culture because for many of us, our possessions have come to own us rather than the other way around. Our closets, our basements, our garages are full of boxes of things we don't even know that we have anymore. We've forgotten what's in all of those boxes because we haven't used that stuff in years. With all of this as prelude, today we continue our fall stewardship series, First Fruits Giving, as we focus on our possessions. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. 
By way of review, this stewardship series is based upon the offertory prayer that we have been using in worship. Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions. We began this uh, two weeks ago as we focused on first fruits giving ourselves. And then last week, we focused on first fruits giving our time. And now today, first fruits giving our possessions. Now, this is not about the leftovers of our lives. It's about what is first and what is best. First fruits. And it begins with the Lord God himself who gave to us, to you and to me, what is first and best, the life of his only begotten son, Jesus, who gave his life for you and for me on the tree of the cross, shedding his blood to take our sins upon himself. And so now in response to God's redeeming love, we've been set free to offer back to God what we are and what we have ourselves, our time, our possessions. And all of this is not a got to, it's a get to, our motivation for offering to the Lord the first fruits of our lives is, is not because of guilt or fear or compulsion, but from a spirit of joy and thanksgiving. So, today's Old Testament lesson, we come into contact with Jacob and we learn about someone who had great possessions. Jacob, the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. Jacob himself becomes the father of 12 sons who are the beginnings of the 12 tribes of Israel. But before we can understand what the Old Testament lesson is about for today, it's very helpful to know the backstory. What happened before that Old Testament lesson for today? It begins with deception and trickery. You see, Jacob was a twin and his brother was Esau. Esau was the first one out of the womb, and so he was the firstborn, important to remember. But through the word of the Lord, Rebekah, his mother, their mother, learned that the older one would actually serve the younger one. And so with Rebekah's help, Jacob tricks his father Isaac, who is aged, unable to see, into bestowing that blessing of the firstborn upon him rather than Esau. That's what this image portrays. And you can see Jacob there. He looks, mom, what am I supposed to do? And she's saying, shh, she's very much coaching him along. Well, you can imagine how Esau felt when all of this came to light. He was literally ready to kill his brother, and he would have if Jacob hadn't left home and gotten out of Dodge, so to speak. He left home to go and live with his mother's side of the family and eventually find a wife 
from among his own people. And when he left home, all he had was about what you see here, staff in hand, maybe a few possessions on a donkey, if that, and off he went. But the Lord prospered him over the course of many years. And some 20 years later, he was directed by the Lord to return home again. And Jacob's prosperity was measured in what you see here, vast flocks of sheep and goats and cattle and oxen and donkeys and cattle, as well as servants and family. He came home a wealthy man but he was uncertain, edgy. He was not at peace because in coming home, he's got some unfinished family business to take care of. He's got to face his brother Esau. And what is Esau going to do? Is he still bent on vengeance to take care of that brother who cheated him so long ago? As we know from our own experience in life, all the material goods and possessions of the world cannot buy love and forgiveness. Even from within our own families, people tend to have very long memories when they feel they have been wronged. All of that is the backstory to today's Old Testament lesson. So the night before Jacob was to meet Esau, there is this all-night struggle between Jacob and this heavenly being. Now, somebody pointed out at the service last night, um, Jacob looks like he's a lot younger than he would have been in this picture here. Okay, point taken. <laughs> color in a beard on him, give him a little gray there, you get the picture. So just who was this heavenly being? Some kind of messenger, angel of the Lord, what? Well, we're given some indicators in the text. You have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob himself says, I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. That's who Jacob was wrestling with, the Lord God himself. Maybe you know what that's like in your own life. Sleep is not to be found, and we spend the night wrestling in prayer and discernment with God, seeking direction, looking for guidance with the issue that lies heavy on our shoulders. That is what Jacob was doing, seeking the Lord's blessing and not letting go, persevering until that was given to him by the Lord. Well, the good news here is that Jacob and Esau, upon meeting, were, in fact, reconciled. And following Jacob's all-night wrestling match with the Lord, we read that he was given a new name, which often happened in Scripture. 
when God called a certain person to a new venture, a new calling in life, that person was given a new name, a new beginning. Abram, exalted father, becomes Abraham, father of many. Simon becomes Peter, the rock. Saul becomes Paul. Jacob, Yaakov, the one who supplants, the trickster, the deceiver, becomes Yitzrael, Israel, he who strives with God. Now, despite his many possessions, Jacob was like all of us, a sinful human being in need of redemption. Jacob's vast flocks, his many possessions, could not save him from sin and death, and neither can ours. As the old saying goes, you can't take it with you. When we leave this world, we leave the stuff of this world behind us, as God's word tells us. We brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. The only thing we take with us, the only thing that ultimately matters is faith in the one who has conquered sin and death and the grave. And that is the son, the descendant of Jacob and Jacob's Lord, Jesus, Son of God and, and Son of Man. It is Jesus alone who suffered death on the cross, who died, who rose again, who lives and reigns to all eternity. So when all of our treasured possessions have lost their value, when they've worn out or faded into obscurity, here is our true and lasting treasure. Jesus himself. He tells us, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, sometimes we mistakenly think that the more stuff, the more possessions we have, the more we are loved and blessed by God. And conversely, the less we have, the less we are loved and blessed by God. That is indeed mistaken thinking. We equate outward prosperity with God's love and blessing. Now it goes without saying that we need a job, we need a house, we need financial resources to support ourselves and our loved ones. And where these are lacking in life, the word of God tells us, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, whether we have many possessions or few, our identity at the end of the day is not found in possessions, in things, in, in stuff. 
our identity, our meaning, our purpose in life is found in Jesus, who loves us and laid down his life for us. That's where we know who we are, because we know whose we are. Whether we have many possessions or few for the child of God, we see these as things not just for our personal use and enjoyment, but things to be used to further God's kingdom among us, things that will serve the needs of the people around us and be a blessing to them. So the question I want you to take away today is this. How can these material goods, how can these possessions be harnessed for the sake of the kingdom of God. Now we may need help and some guidance to discern what that might look like in each of our lives. There are resources available from within our own congregation, within our church body to do that very thing. One week from today, in each of our worship services, we will bring here to the Lord's altar our commitments for ministry for 2020, and we will put them on the altar, dedicating them to the Lord as an act of worship. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, these will be a first fruits offering from each one of us, of ourselves, of our time, of our possessions, springing from thankful hearts. May the Lord be honored. May the Lord be glorified through this so that when the Son of Man comes, he may indeed find faith on earth. Faith that is burning brightly in the hearts of each of his children, shining with the love of Jesus. May God make it so. For Jesus' sake, amen.